I'm just a happy camper. I know my uh, behavior can be <laughs> erratic sometimes. I killed Paul Allen with an axe in the face. I mean, I guess I'm a pretty sick guy. Yes, you have to kill a lot of people! I have to return some videotapes. I have all the characteristics of a human being. Flesh, blood, skin, hair. But not a single clear, identifiable emotion. Except for greed and disgust. In fact, I want my pain to be inflicted on others. I want no one to escape. What's up you creepy fucks it's your boy bp and uh we've made it we're here for another episode of let's talk horror um thank you everyone for listening so far because you're the, all the reason uh that i keep coming back and doing it and i get to and uh we're here so another episode this episode is is so exciting for me to do uh one because i obviously i get another guest on it which is brilliant but also we're doing a film that's a little bit sort of darker than, than the films I've sort of done. Uh, yeah, I've done like Mandy, which is a cult film, which makes you feel like you're fucked and off your face, um, which is brilliant sometimes. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, I've done, you know, the films I've done. If you listen to the show, you know what I've done so far and what me and my guests have, have, have done together. Um, but this film, yeah, American Psycho, it's, it's, it's darker. You know, when you're watching it, it might not feel it, but it is. You know, it's pretty fucked up and sadistic. So we're going to get right into that. But as I said, luckily, I, I'm lucky enough to be joined by uh, another guest. So I've got a really special guest, Mary, who uh, who obviously most of you will know as, or I know as, uh, Lady Crisis, who is, uh, well, you do everything, don't you? More than what I do. You do TikTok, uh, you've got Instagram, uh, you've got all your merch stuff. Yep, yep. Um, what else am I missing? Uh, I think that's about the gist of it. Good, good. <laughs> got, I, I, yeah. yeah, I got it. Good. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you do everything. Your TikToks are hilarious. You know, uh, your special effects are insane. Uh, my daughter, I've showed my daughter them and she's like, that's not even real. Like, she can't do that. <laughs> but, you know, it's awesome. Um, and, and then, you yeah, know, it's just fun. And that's it. You, you know, you, it's all horror-related content and it's fun horror-related content, which is sometimes what we all need as horror fans because sometimes uh, we get drowned out in so much of this, all this murder and blood. Uh, <laughs> that we need fun, don't we? Uh, yeah. so so um so yeah so thank you for coming on the episode and what we will do i will give you as much time as you want uh near the end of the episode to talk about everything is that all right heck yeah thank you wait because appreciate oh i appreciate you for being on uh talking absolute you know well listening to me talk absolute shit about a film <laughs> um so, so 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 as usual uh we, we just we get straight into it american psycho uh what a film as you always know i literally if I talk about a film, it's a film that I love and I have somebody else on the show who loves this film as well. I'm not yes. going to talk about films that I don't like. I leave that to my reviews or when I'm slagging Malignant off, but uh, <laughs> I won't do that on this one, I promise. Um, so uh, we get straight into it. So the film American Psycho it was released in the year 2000, which doesn't feel that long ago to me. It really doesn't. But then it's 22 years ago. So 
it makes me feel so fucking old. It makes me feel fucking old. It's crazy. <laughs> um, so it sits at 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb and 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, I, you know, IMDb, that's, you know, once you start getting six or over, you know, that's a decent film. Yeah. Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes can fuck off because, uh, you know, yeah, I always say that anyway. I don't even know why I add it. I just like to because there's so many of these people who love Rotten Tomatoes in this world um, and that depicts on whether they should watch a film or not. It shouldn't. But Mm-mm. they do. Um, yeah, 69%, which which I'm surprised at. But, you know, maybe there's not as many sadistic people like us out there, right? <laughs> um, so the film is directed by Mary Harron. Or, however, also, as you know, I, I can't pronounce names for shit because I'm British yeah. and I'm common and I know I can't do it. I'm too dumb. So throughout this whole thing, all I do is pronounce everybody's names wrong. So let's have fun with that. Um, it stars Christian Bale. <laughs> Uh, the legendary Christian Bale is Patrick Bateman, Willem Dafoe as Donald Kimball, mm-hmm. Jared Leto uh, as Paul Allen, always fucking pops up on my podcast, Jared Leto. Um, mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon is Evelyn Williams, uh, Samantha Mathis as Courtney Rawlinson, Chloe Savigny. I'm never going to say that. You might. I don't know how to say that. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> um, we just ask her um, as Jean. Um, Justin Thoreau as Timothy Bryce and Josh Lucas as Craig McDiarmid. And then obviously there's loads more. I'm not going through it all. So straight, straight away, we get into the Google synopsis. You all know how much I love it because they don't, they, they're fucking shit, aren't they? Every now and again, they pull one out the hat, but predominantly they're shit. Um, and also I literally copy and paste them. So I haven't read this. I've just, I've done it. So this is my first time sort of reading it as well. Um, so Google says Patrick Bateman, a wealthy investment banker, hides his psychopathic ego from his friends. Later, his illogical fantasies escalate and he submits to an uncontrollable bloodlust. I mean, it's it, no, it's not. I mean, it's, I mean, I think they forgot to mention how much he loves renting videotapes. Yeah. And and <laughs> yeah. And all the best bits. But that's Google. You know, like that's what it is. Um, you know AI AI at its best eh? that's Uh, that's (laughs) it but as usual one of the things I always do on the show is give you a more in in in-depth detailed synopsis of what happens in the film essentially scene by scene unless I'm leaving some out because they might be shit so here (laughs) we go so the film opens with a drip and then a drip and then another drip and then another drip and then another drip and so on well basically you get the point until it's revealed American Psycho but they bloody played us because it's not blood. It's some sort of fancy sauce that, <laughs> from a restaurant. Uh, you know, looks fancy, but it looks like blood. Yep. Uh, and here we have our first introduction to the table of absolute 80s business douchebags, including <laughs> Christian Bale, where we, <laughs> where we also get the first mention of Paul Allen, who I'm sure, I mean, he'll pop up later on. Oh, my God. Yeah, fucking Paul Allen. Um Although my hatred of, you know, and I'll go into it later, but my hatred is more so for Jared Leto than Paul Allen. But, you know, I didn't you know, know that. I didn't uh, know you did so much. Uh, <laughs> don't even get me started. I'll get into it. Don't you worry. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, but, but enough of this fancy schmancy grub. Let's head to the club where pretty much straight off the bat, Patrick Bateman is a rude motherfucker. And he tells this lady at the bar some nasty shit he wants to do with her. But more on that later. And this scene, actually, funny enough, when I was watching it um, the other night, like we were saying earlier, we watched it mm-hmm. so many times. Um, but it was it sort of gets straight into his nastiness. Like there's right. not there's not much 
it's like playing around with like introducing this and introducing that it's like here's a meal here's them they go to yeah. the club and then straight away he's he's an absolute twat yeah and I I didn't know in the scene if she didn't bat an eye to his response because she's used to dealing with douchebags yeah or, or you know yeah or or you know once again well we get into it again yeah. <laughs> you know you know whether whether it happened or not so yeah this is what's so interesting about this film yeah um so now uh, we are inside Patrick Bateman's fancy pad where he's talking us through his ultimate regime on how to be a big time sexy man while also revealing already that he's a bit of a mental yeah did you uh did you happen to catch his beauty routine because I had to write that down for myself now that I'm approaching 40 oh really yeah yeah, yeah. I mean you know what uh you know it's pretty much every day for me, you know, just is standard. <laughs> that is it's the opposite of that. But do you know what? At one point in my life, I probably would have written down it and then gone, do you know what? Let's give it a go. I would have passed out <laughs> after like half an hour, but it still would have been fun. Yeah, it's it's too much, to be it's honest. It's too much. It's too it's much. It's way too much. <laughs> um, so to the office we go, where he was walking with a Walkman. I obviously remember those things. They were fucking sick. That's what I used Hell to yeah. do. Man, I miss my Walkman. Um, I wish I had one. I wish I had one. Do you know what I was thinking of getting one? But then I realised that all I'm doing is showing even more how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously we're walking on sunshine. Well, apart from his assistant, who's being told what to wear. Um, <laughs> in the, uh, with this, it sort of feels like Patrick Bateman feels that he's being his own version sort of of what he thinks is genuinely nice by still being an absolute dick. Yeah. Um, you know, the way he sort of treats, treats her... Um, He's like, it's almost as I said, it's almost as if he's going, I'm being nice to you, but I'm not because I'm an asshole. Yeah. Um is this a scene with the uh the secretary that you're yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay. that's it, the okay. secretary bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then now we get to the next scene, uh, where it's another fancy dinner, and Patrick Raymond is telling us all about his mates. Um, but I don't uh, to be honest, I don't really give a fuck about them. So we move on because mm -hmm. their mates are just sort of side douchebag characters. Yeah. Um because now he's telling an old lady that he's going to kill her because she can't wash his sheets properly. I mean, this guy needs to chill. But yeah, uh, that's another scene where he's sort of showing his anger. Um, yeah. But also it's sort of like, I don't want to go too much into it too much, but I feel like that that actually might be something that happens. I don't feel that that is saying because the way that it was and the way he talks to him, I feel like that might that scene might be actually real rather than imagination. I could right. be wrong, um, but what, what the fuck do I know? Anyway? I, I agree with you on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, now we find out Patrick is having an affair with one of his mates, Mrs., and she's absolutely off her face. Um, now we're back at, to the office where we're finally introduced to Paul Allen, played by doucheface Jared Leto, <laughs> um, who confuses Patrick Bateman to be someone else who just goes along with it. And this is one of those standout yeah. scenes in the movie um, that so many people remember where they're all comparing business cards and yeah. sure Patrick's is good but is it the best and his perspiration quite clearly doesn't think so um, I mean I love this scene uh, this is one of my favorite scenes for sure yeah it's so iconic it is it is it's just there's so many yeah. sort of scenes in this film where it's like they're iconic pieces where they stand out to you every time and you yeah. sort of has like as mad as it sounds in a film like this you sort of can't wait for those scenes because Mm -hmm. every element of that sort of 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 that piece works you know the Jared Leto and he pops in and you're like this guy's a dick um mm -hmm. and then um you know Patrick Bateman you know 
thinking he's got this card that's like you know the ace of you know the ace of all cards right right um and then everybody else sort of pulls out the big guns <laughs> it's it's funny because i do i have a graphic design background so i was paying like close attention to how he was describing it as like right it's bone coloring and then he said <laughs> he mentioned a font like when i watch movies my husband always laughs because i always try to like name the font right you know, like okay credits like, because like, i just i'm just obsessed with typography that, that's papyrus yeah and he says patrick bateman says oh that's celian rail font and i'm like what the fuck is Cilian? i've never heard of that as a graphic designer <laughs> you went straight so, onto google and was like yeah i did and it's, it's actually just a made-up font so oh like, really okay. yeah <laughs> um but yeah it's just it's just such a like a great scene standout scene and i've actually got a bit of a i mean you probably know anyway but i've got a fact about that for people uh, later on anyway mm. um it's either in the fact or the info but at some point i'll talk about it anyway god okay. knows where it is it's here somewhere <laughs> I think um, I know what you're talking about. So yeah. So now <laughs> Bateman has sweat off some calories. He heads down an alleyway and starts talking to a homeless dude. And as usual, Patrick Bateman has the charm of an absolute dickhead by talking <laughs> to this guy who's hard up in life. And he just, well, he just bloody stabs him. And to make it worse, he kills a man's dog. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, fuck off. Like, this is, uh, everybody knows that, and I've said it a million times on these things, don't kill dogs in movies yeah. because I get it. You're just trying to make everybody think, Oh, this is this is a fucking nasty person. But you know, mm-hmm. do it, do it with humans. Don't do it with animals. Right. Uh, but that scene, as I said, it's it's sort of quite stand out and harsh as well because it just sort of comes out of the blue. One minute he's having this sort of conversation, mm-hmm. and, you know, in in Patrick Bateman's way, uh, and then next thing you know, yeah, he's he just stabbed him and the poor bloke. Yeah, and he says, um, "What's he say to him?" I think he says, "Like you reek like shit," and it's like, yeah, did, yeah. did the homeless guy hear him say that? Like I couldn't tell. You know, if this was, we'll get to that, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah, he's just, he's just very, he, he's so nasty in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, it plays on whether it was real, whether it wasn't, and and everything like that. So we, you know, but we we'll get to that again. Yeah, yeah. There's so much to talk about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's back having another good old pampering, narrating his insanity. But then we cut to a Christmas party, which is a nice surprise mm-hmm. in this film. It's a bit lighthearted, which is nice. Um, <laughs> where Paul Allen is still bloody confused as to who Patrick Bateman is and keeps calling him Marcus. Who the fuck right. is Marcus? Yeah. <laughs> one of the other business douches. Um, one of the frat boys. Um, <laughs> but now they're having some grub and Paul has got himself drunk, which is a ma- massive mistake on his part. Yeah. Here we now head back to Patrick's apartment in another standout scene where it starts off where Patrick is discussing Huey Lewis while preparing, but preparing for what? (laughs) And then before we know it, he goes and absolutely goes absolutely fucking mental with an axe and kills the absolute shit out of Paul Allen. Um, Is that a rain jacket? (laughs) Yeah, he's uh, a raincoat. Oh, god, no, he's yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, he's he's so funny that scene, isn't it? Because that's what he's saying. He's like, Is that a raincoat? Yeah, (laughs) but it's just how it's played. But it's like I said earlier, it's it's almost like a comedy, you know, yeah, but in like the most darkest way. Mm. It's it's just that's why this film I laugh. I shouldn't say that because I'll probably get locked up. But I laugh. <laughs> I laugh so much watching this. Oh, movie. I la- this movie just cracks it's me up. Good. I'm, I'm happy. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. We're fucked up, but <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, I mean, in this scene as well, I suppose at this point, if you don't like Jared Leto like me, this is quite enjoyable. Heck yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and why all this is happening? Uh, you've got the absolute '80s classic "Hip to Be Square" playing in the background. 
Uh, as, as we know, music is a really integral part of this film, which is something we'll talk about later, I'm sure. Yeah. But after he's yeah. killed Jared Leto to death, uh, he just casually drags the body out of his apartment to put it in a cab. Um, I love that because it's sort of like, it sort of goes over the fact that he's literally putting a body into the back of a car right. and doesn't give a fuck about it to the point that yeah. he's having a conversation with someone. Uh-huh. And like he's still like, just fuck off. Like, I'm just, I'm trying to put this body in the back. I know. Not fucking see what I'm doing. Right. Like, and I think it's Lewis is the character he yeah. runs into. And he doesn't even give a shit about what's in the bag. He's like, ooh, where'd you get that overnight bag? <laughs> I know. I know. That's it. And it's just, and once again, it, uh, I keep going back into it, but it plays on that, the aspect of what we're taught to talk about and stuff, but it plays on the aspect of, real or not real and and so on it's just Mm -hmm. so clever Mm -hmm. um so after that patrick heads off to paul allen's apartment uh which he's really pissed off about because it seems to be better than is and he's trying to make sure it looks like uh paul allen uh, paul allen has gone on a holiday somewhere Mm -hmm. uh we're now back at the office where the green goblin himself william defoe uh who in this film is a private eye is investigating the disappearance of paul and asking a lot of questions that patrick is more than happy to answer well in a way yeah um and once again another fantastic scene because we all know william defoe's fucking brilliant yes um and I i love him and uh he doesn't he doesn't do anything wrong does he yeah He's just so fucking weird and and great. <laughs> yeah, and he just, but he just, he's just once again suits this film, yeah. and he plays that character perfectly because he's not. You're like, it's funny because you say like he's weird, and he is weird, but in yeah. this film he's not weird because he's playing it. But yet there's still right. because it's William Defoe, you're waiting for something still. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously nothing happens anyway because he's just a normal private sort of eye in it trying to figure out whether Patrick Bateman's killing everyone. Yeah, I was kind of like confused on what the timeline is because yes. I'm like, okay, now the, I don't know if he's an invest, if he's a private investigator, a detective, or whatever, but like how much time has passed to where he's in his office, you know, questioning. Yeah, because yeah, it's, yeah, you're right. It's sort of like all these things are happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, how long since he's been missing and, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. So yeah, you're right. They could have sort of look at explaining that a little bit more. Um, because I, you know, I don't, I don't think he'd be in there after day one of it and being like, Paul Allen, he's gone missing. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. That's it. So we're back at his apartment again. And like any normal person, he's working out to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, just turn it, toning his perfect abs. Um, what, what better, <laughs> I mean, what better thing is there to work out to? You know, I was laughing at the scene because when I, if it's like raining or really hot, I'll run on the treadmill. And right, that's like right. my time to catch up on like a horror movie that I have on my yeah. list. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm working out to some fucking horror movie right now. I'm Patrick Bateman. He's basically working out to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is, you know, lovely. Um, <laughs> so, so Patrick is back on the town, but not at a restaurant for once. He's out picking up prostitutes. So they head back to his apartment where they listen to some Phil Collins and they get lectured by Patrick about the film. He bloody loves music. And to be honest, you know, it's what he loves, uh, you know, more, what he loves more than music probably is making dirty sex tapes, sex tapes, (laughs) do some rude shit. Um, Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, that's just a fucking dirty bit, isn't it? It's, (laughs) I mean, it's just, what I love about that is that it, it's one of the scenes in the film that sort of comes out of the blue. Um, like yeah. if you've read the book, 
I mean, I, I, I didn't. I, I obviously I watched the film and went back and what read the book. Um, whereas if you've read the book, I think you sort of understand that there's things that are going to happen in it. Mm-hmm. that you sort of maybe wait more for um even if it's not scenes particularly taken from the book you're always expecting something um so when when I watched this film for the first time I remember like that scene where he's just that's it straight away he's videoing it and he's looking at himself <laughs> in the mirror flexing oh, his yeah. guns and all that it's so out of like straight away and then you've got obviously Susudia going over the top of it yeah it's like the scene is probably one of the most uncomfortable scenes to watch yeah. but also like it's like he's looking at himself in the mirror and getting himself off <laughs> yeah exactly yeah like he he you know that he thinks the sexiest part about this yeah. is him is him yeah is him um yeah it, it's it but once again it's sort of it's, it's you know what it's bad in it but I feel like like even when that happens I laugh at it because it was, oh, me it was so sudden and it's it's so cringy mm-hmm. um like so many other bits in this film um but yeah it, oh, do you know what? it makes me laugh every time I shouldn't laugh but that's just what I fucking do um <laughs> so we are back with the business douchebags uh where the guy who looks like a ginger peewee Herman which I think you said was Lewis um Lewis, he, yeah. yeah is it he always reminds me of ginger peewee Herman I don't know why I think it's the hair and the pale skin yeah. um he shows off his fancy new business card and enraged Bateman heads off to the toilet to presumably strangle his unsuspecting victim but instead he's caught in the act where we <laughs> which is hilarious because he's so brilliantly acted by Bale because he gets caught and he does not know what to do yeah like, like it's just you can like it's one of the first times you see him out of control like he's uh like not in terms of like a madness sort of aspect or stuff but mm-hmm. he can't like he he can't control this situation um right. he's just been caught trying to strangle someone but then once again he sort of gets away with it because the guy thinks he's trying to chat him up <laughs> i mean just his like his face in the scene like you can see him like losing his shit over yeah. this business card yeah. and then when he goes into the bathroom and lewis turns around it's just i don't know it's gold it's yeah like- and and then obviously the good thing is is that we get the first time he mentions which is my favorite line in the film i need to return some video tapes actually it's not the first time i thought it was oh, is it too- not no, it's when um so William Defoe was like question I think it was the scene before this when he was first questioning him and he was like, Where were you the night of his, his disappearance or something? And he says, Oh, it's probably returning some videotapes. Yeah, or something. you you know what? You're right, you're hundred percent right because now but I'm saying it. I, I did not notice that though until I watched it this time yeah, and was a lot more yeah, observant. Do you know what? I should have caught it. I'm an idiot, but you're right. No. Um, but yeah, no, you you are absolutely right because now I'm like, yeah, no, it's, it, you're you're correct. It, it happened. And I was laughing. I'm like, you were probably returning. Like how many? But it was the '80s, so I'm yeah, sure there was a lot more video returns. Yeah, that's now. it. And the thing is, as well, is that I mean, he's probably only doing horror. You know, if he if he works yeah. out to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, he's probably just. Do you know what? I want people, when they've listened to this episode, hopefully they do, people send me Instagram messages or comments. I want you to tell me what sort of films you think Patrick Bateman would be renting. <laughs> That's what I want you to know. Like, I'm thinking he's going to be getting some shit like Driller Killer and, yeah. uh, you know, like all the fucking like messed up shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So everyone, let us know. I want everybody to let us know what they think Patrick Bateman would be would be renting. 
Um, yeah, I'm looking a, forward to those responses. That's a bit of fun, eh? That's a little bit of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the next scene, which is another conversation with William Defoe, uh, there is another line that absolutely cracks me up. Um, and it's not what it's uh, what it is, but it's how it's said. And it's when he uh, he says that he, he and Paul Allen went to a new musical called Africa, Oh Brave Africa, <laughs> which was a laugh riot. Yeah. Um, and and uh, but it's his delivery of this line that's great because it's sort of like classic Patrick Bateman because it's yes. so deadpan mm -hmm. and as serious as you could possibly be um, <laughs> and has no expression, no emotion that it's it has me in hysterics every time. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I just love it when he's just like, yeah, me and Paul, we went there. It was a laugh, right? And uh, but no emotion. And right. it's like because you can't ever imagine patrick bateman laughing yeah no unless he's like sarcastic unless he's talking it. about like ed gian you know? yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah or you know yeah or sharing like music and have like you know a quip <laughs> about a, a, like something that happened with phil collins and stuff like things that he the, the odd little thing that he gets something from in life right. uh then then that's it but I, I that's that little bit in it i um it, it makes me laugh more every time i see it it's yeah it's so good um, and then we're back at the club where they're getting absolutely coked off their face uh, and he meets someone he likes where we don't see anything more of her because we cut straight to a next scene where he was holding some blonde hair, um, presumably from the girl from the club. And we yeah, also realise. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, and that's that's I think that's a really sort of clever scene as well, um, mm -hmm. because it's not, you know, something like the book would have would have you know interpreted it and, and gone through it but um the film itself it's sort of moving along at a pace that it needs to so it was one of those scenes where it's like you didn't nearly necessarily necessarily need to show it so right. just just the fact that he's holding uh, her hair was probably more impactful because it then leads it to your imagination of what mm -hmm. this fucking madman's done yep um and also at that bit you realize that he's really shit at crosswords because uh, he's writing yeah. like meat and bone for everything right right <laughs> so so he's now broken the rule of strictly business and he's taking his receptionist uh out on a date but he invites her to his apartment first um he's probably just propping in the fridge to oh no hang on there's a head in there so he's not no food he's just just the head um and by this point, you've seen enough of the film to sort of understand where this is heading. He's walking around, presumably getting a boner by touching knives <laughs> and looking at, and looking. <laughs> I can't. I had to throw that in there because I genuinely feel like that's the talk. That's probably what he's yeah. doing. Um, and looking in his kill cupboard and talking about Ted Bundy. Yep. Uh, but it looks as though he's settled on a nail gun. But luckily, she's been saved by the phone, and it does. And she doesn't get a nail straight through the back of her head and gets out of this one alive. Um, and another fantastic scene because uh, it's it's the end of it where he's sort of sitting there and once again out of control. He can't he can't do what he's trying to do, um, <laughs> and he just sort of sits there and tells her to leave. This the scene kind of. It was like, does he have a soft spot for Jane? I mean, because he's asking yeah. her these these questions about like, do you fulfill, feel fulfilled or happy or whatever? And the converse, it's almost like the conversation is what stops him from, yeah. from letting go or, you know, like doing whatever he wants to do to her. Yeah. 
and, and also, she interprets it totally different like yeah I don't want I don't want to get hurt yeah that's it and and also <laughs> yeah. uh what I find interesting as well is because once again if you like quite literally take Patrick Bates, Bateman rather than a character than a real person so to speak it's sort of like is he is this just another way of him trying to fit in uh, mm-hmm. you know is it like now he's trying to enlist her so to speak into in terms of you know his life mm-hmm. um because it means that he's less you know going to be less looked upon by people like William Defoe's character or anything like that you know if he has a partner or a wife you know I always feel Patrick Bateman's always looking for that next step of evolution to his person right. as a real human being yeah um <laughs> The scene right before this too about the whole like when he's you know invites her to dinner and says wherever yeah. you want and she says Dorcia yeah yeah and his <laughs> look on his face calls and and he's just you know the the host like laughs at him because there are there is no availability and then he's like yeah you look fine and she's like but you didn't even give them a name <laughs> yeah 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 they know me they know me yeah they know me <laughs> that whole scene just made me laugh yeah it's just once again it's just it just I just feel like so many of it's like a comedy um but you fucking shouldn't be and I feel so bad sometimes but oh well that's life um um, so so we get another restaurant another one obviously because that's where basically this film is um uh, but after this Patrick is out getting prostitutes again which so happens to be the same one as before who mm-hmm. expresses her concern as to go with Patrick again after what he did last time because he's a nasty bastard but money is too tight to mention so she gets in the car anyway um after he starts flashing the big bucks mm-hmm. and then you sort of like that seems like it's quite a dark scene that um where because you know, obviously she's very, very reluctant to do it. And also, you know, you know, she's a prostitute, so she needs money. So he's essentially forcing her through money to do something that she doesn't want to do. And also, unfortunately, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's one of the tougher scenes. Right. I agree. Um, and then now, obviously, we're, you know, we've got two girls at Paul Allen's place uh, where there's nothing but the greatest love of all. Uh, a very poetic moment that quickly cuts to nasty sex, uh, which then turns into a game of cat and mouse with a chainsaw, which is interesting because most of the film, you know, apart from the odd bit, um, it's been reasonably calm, but now it's turned to pure horror, pure madness. Mm-hmm. Um, and almost as mad as the fact that Patrick Bateman can be fully naked running around after somebody trying to murder them, but he's still got time to put his bright white trainers on. <laughs> I was thinking too. I... He I must remember. just have some fucking slip-on tennis shoes. Yeah, like, like I mean, the thing is, they're done up and everything, so they must be like a size bigger or something. I don't know, but um, <laughs> but that that bit always um makes me laugh because I remember that from the first time I ever watched it. Um, I'm like, even now, I'm like, at what point did he have time to put shoes on? <laughs> um, like I, I I I even now I'm watching it and I'm like, there's very little time between like her running away or anything like that where he could have put these lovely beautiful sparkling tennis shoes on um every time it makes me laugh just knowing that Kristen Bell's running around naked with these lovely shoes on yeah and I think early I think you said earlier this was Paul Allen's apartment but I think it's actually Patrick's because the the Christie the prostitute girl's like uh she says something like this isn't as nice as your other apartment Uh, Uh, okay I think yeah he's like yeah you're gonna die now bitch yeah yeah that's it don't (laughs) fucking insult me 
Um, <laughs> um, and then straight after that, we get another restaurant scene, uh, one where he's doing a little doodle of a murder on a napkin. <laughs> uh, and then he's breaking up with Evelyn. And once again, he gets out of it because obviously he needs to return some videotapes. <laughs> so I always have this thing with with my friend. And uh, so this is one of the films I look at. So some people know um, from the podcast and stuff, but acting and filmmaking outside of, you know, this, is, you know, is what I wanted to do with my life before I had a kid. Uh, acting and filmmaking is always really important. And I'm like a student of film. So when you get performances like Christian Bale, that's so good is uh, someone like me will like pick apart the performances and this this when he says I need to return some videotapes in this bit it is so incredible he's acting because mm-hmm. it's basically uh, you can like people when you if you haven't seen the film for a while um to obviously your listeners go back and just watch that scene because the way he says it he does this sort of little look off to yeah. to the side and and it, for me, it's like, at what point do you as an actor make that decision to do that? And and that was another element to show, obviously, how deep in character Christian Bale was. Um, because someone that shit at him would have just stared at her and said, I need to return some videotapes and fucked off. Um, right. But yeah, I, lo- I love that scene for me from like an acting standpoint, because it goes to show how incredible he is that he can even just say a line as simple as that. And you're like mesmerized by by his process yeah he's brilliant so things are starting to spiral out of control for patrick and he's trying to feed a bloody cash machine a cat which (laughs) in my experience doesn't work at all no Uh, i mean also it's another little madness scene isn't it where uh yeah, I mean, once again, I'll find it funny. You know, he just picks up a cat and tries feeding it. I know, it. it's so horrible, but it is so yeah, funny. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and then now uh, we've got a shootout where he's blowing up a cop, a cop car with just a hand cu- and handgun. <laughs> and even he's shocked at the devastation. Yeah. Once, once again, it, it, it's another epitome of Christian Bale's perfect <laughs> acting. Yeah. Uh, when he just gets that handgun, looks at it, and he's like, what the fuck? I know. And then he straightens his little piece of hair out of place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every time, like, it's, it's just, it must have been like his little conscious decision that he made that what like, he was going to do it because he does it a few times throughout the film. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's just another fantastic scene. Um, mm-hmm. But once again, it creates that sort of thing that the book plays on, obviously, as well as the film about once again, is it real? Is it not? Mm-hmm. Is he losing touch with everything because he now is starting to wonder? And then obviously, you know, say at this point, he's completely fucking unhinged and he's shooting people willy nilly. Yep. Uh, you know, he goes in and shoots that security guard and, and stuff like that. And then um, when you think he's <laughs> going to shoot one of them, he just pulls out of a pen. I know, I love it. Um, but then also at the same time, I always kept thinking to myself, why didn't he shoot him? I know, uh, me too. I'm like, like, why did he make the choice that that person would live? I mean, why did the janitor have to die? Yeah, yeah, rest? exactly. Yeah, because he just turns around and shoots <laughs> one of them, didn't he? And then once again, I'm laughing my head off. I shouldn't, but... Um, no, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then now he's heading to his office with helicopters flying around the building that obviously he must presume that are for him. He picks up the phone and starts calling his lawyer to confess of his crimes. And th- I mean, there's a lot of them. Uh, and, and this this being the only scene where he's really showing any form of emotion besides really when he's talking about music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is his his full sort of breakdown scene, um, confessing it all to, to this lawyer. 
But then just like that, he's heading uh, back over to Paul Allen's apartment where he's like, what the fuck's happened here? Because, you know, they've been doing decorating and sort of sorting out his crimes and everything. And then once again, this becomes one of those scenes where, I mean, like, it's always a bit of a mind fuck because, you know, to me, well, when I was younger and I watched this for the first sort of time, um, it's another example of what sort of the film and the book is trying to portray for the character of Patrick Bateman, because, uh, you know, as I say, I remember being younger and wondering that whether the lady in the apartment did yeah. actually cover it up. Yeah. Um, because obviously she's trying to sell this sort of top of the line, fancy property for a shitload of money. Yeah, I think this is the first when I first watched this, this was like the turning point for me to actually question what the hell was going on. Yeah. Like, like, is it all happening? Yeah. Is this um, real or, or or is it is it like a statement on society, especially of the 80s or of the time of them mm-hmm. saying this woman's covered it up because yeah. she'd rather sell this property? Um, she, I don't know why she annoys me so much. Yeah, that. she annoys me as well. I don't know. I like, think maybe she, she, you're exactly right. She, I don't know what it is about her. I think she's, I don't know. But then once again, maybe, maybe that's the good casting of it. Maybe, I don't know. She sort of comes <laughs> across as an absolute dick. Yeah. She's like, did you see the ad in the paper? There was no ad in the paper. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck are you, Columbo? Like, <laughs> she's oh, like, man. you know, like a problem solver. She's like trying to fucking, you know, just because, you know, she does her crosswords at lunchtime and stuff. Now she fucking <laughs> yeah. does it all. But yeah, so yeah, as I said, it, it's another thing where, it's, I, you know, it starts making you think more. At this mm-hmm. point in this film, you, you, you know, you, your brain is sort of processing what, you know, what's going on a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then straight away after this, Bateman finds the nearest payphone. And once again, he's gone fucking batshit crazy. Uh, you know, he's absolutely lost it at this point. And then obviously now, well, his secretary, she's been a rude bugger because she keeps going through his desk. Uh, and then she finds his book of nasty things. Yeah, this is right after he's, well, he actually calls her on the phone, right? He's just like, stop sounding so fucking sad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's just so so fucking good in this film. It's so good. But yeah, it's just the script and everything as well. It just is perfect. And while that's happening, he's back with the douchebag business boys, um, where someone else, being his lawyer, um, he confessed to, uh, is confusing Patrick for someone else. And telling him to his face that Bateman, Bateman is fucking boring, and with, <laughs> which I find hilarious because his look mm-hmm. on his face is like, what right. the fuck? Um, <laughs> and with Patrick now completely lost it, um, at this point he's just confessing that his confession was him and it was real and that he killed mm-hmm. Paul Allen, which obviously he says is not possible. Why? Because his lawyer had dinner with Paul Allen in London two days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my brain at that point is like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, once again, it's just, uh, it's an interesting story, you know, it's a story driven uh, movie and, and stuff, but it's, it's another sort of mind fuck, isn't it? Because it just adds to, to the, under, you know, you're trying to understand a film that sometimes you're like, I don't understand it. Right. It, hurt, it hurts. Yeah. Um, but then in the end, Bateman is just, He's just a happy camper, <laughs> presumably getting away with his crimes. Or right. were they even real to begin with? So, I mean, is the film just the confessions of a mind that sees only torture and pain and wants to inflict that on others? Or that this is murder and chaos actually happened for real and he just gets away with it? And that this is such a huge part of the film. And as I said earlier, of the book as well, 
um, that because, you know, what is real in Patrick Bateman's world? And for me, that's the intriguing and ultimately scary part of the film and obviously the book and, and so on. Uh, you know, it, it plays, yeah. it, that's what it plays on. You know, it's a heavy, heavy part of the book and um, it's a big part of the film. I think they did it in a right in, in the right way for the movie um, because it wasn't so in your face where it became more of like a psychological thriller where it's like you're getting into the mind of him and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he's going insane, but you're seeing that sort of process of him going, trying to figure it out, almost sitting there like, is all this real? Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't really do that. It's uh, it does it really well. But we, but we we, we, get, we can get into that later when we talk mm -hmm. about how much we bloody love it. Yep. Um, and thank God you do because it'd be it'd be fucking <laughs> awkward if you thought it was shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> so 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 at this point, and obviously, if you have any more information about it, then jump in. As I say, um, but this is all sort of the film information, you know, the production and anything I could find or know about yep. the film. Uh, so the film, obviously, as we know, is an adaptation of the controversial novel of the same name, American Psycho, by Brett Easton Ellis, uh, which was published in 1991. Brett is my real name, but I do it with two T's. So, uh, you know, who's better? You decide. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, 1991, long time ago. That feels long, although, you know, I, I, I still remember the 90s very well. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, um, in 1996 Mary Harron you'll hear her name loads in this bit as well I, I kept on trying to cut it out but I couldn't be bothered um, who would go on to direct the film received a call from the production company which held her a rights to uh, American Psycho with an offer to direct the film Harron had attempted to read the novel when it was originally published but found it too violent mm. How, however after rereading it, she realised that just enough time had passed to produce a film set in the 80s to bring out the satire and comment on the era uh, which interested her. Harron was ambivalent towards the, uh, the other sort of mainstream uh, and boring offers that she was receiving and decided to make American Psycho due to its risky nature. And I mean, that's, that's what it is. One, you know, as we know, there's not enough and fucking obviously there should be female directors. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially, you know, when you're getting into the 2000s and stuff um, and obviously in the 90s and everything, you know, this, this, this was obviously there wasn't enough. There isn't enough. So it was really, uh, you know, interesting to look into and read more about her process of, of the film and and how she originally was like, no, I'm not doing that. It's too much. And then obviously she's she it shows her full understanding of of the film because she realized what she could make of it. Yeah. Harren, uh, Harren met with several actors for the role of Patrick Bateman, but struggled to find a suitable candidate. Mm. She noted that if someone isn't 100% on a role uh, like Bateman, you can't cast them and they shouldn't do it. Harren, okay. sent, Harren sent the script to Christian Bale, but he had never read American Psycho and thus had no interest whatsoever. Uh, which is, you know, another thing that's quite interesting because mm -hmm. straight away I'm like, I feel like because of obviously you played Patrick Bateman, it would be the type of thing that we would read. But then you're like, Christian Bale's <laughs> a real person and probably not <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. Um, Harren contacted Christine Vachon. That's all you're getting out of me. That's not her name properly, but I can't <laughs> pronounce it. 
Um, I'm just going to go with it because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, who, who, well, I'll probably get a message from her and it's like, it's, it's said like this, motherfucker. Um, who was working with Bale on Velvet Goldmine um, at the time and Vatchen told him to read the script. So thank God she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bale found the script humorous and imme- good. I'm glad he did, actually. So do I. Um, yeah. and, and immediately became interested and flew to New York to audition in Harren's living room. Okay. Um, Bale struggled to speak in an American accent since he had been speaking in a Manchester accent for Velvet Goldmine. But Harron thought it was clear that, the, that he understood the role. Like Harron, Bale was uninterested in Bateman's backstory. He saw the character as an alien who landed in capitalist New York of the 80s. <laughs> Bale, in contrast to the other actors uh, Harron spo- had spoken to, did not find Bateman admirable and Harren felt that he was the only one who fit the role, which is interesting as well, because you think to yourself, like, I mean, the, the I, I'm guessing that's the ego of actors, I'm guessing, where they're trying to make something out of this character that could be salvaged, I'm guessing, you know, uh, yeah. or something relatable, whereas I'm guessing, you know, Harren and Bale fully understood that he's not relatable because he's a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Harren thought casting Bale, a relative unknown, was risky, but had a lot of faith in him. Harren, with Bale, fully in character as Bateman, met with Brett Easton Ellis uh, for dinner, an experience uh, Ellis said was unnerving, um, since it was the first time he had met someone pretending to be this monster that he created, which must yeah, have been... I read that. Yeah, well, I mean, imagine how, like, being a flannel with that. That would have been well interesting. Like, I mean, he wrote the character and he was, like, unnerved. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, the yeah, like, in person. from yeah. the mind, it's like when they have it from the mind of Brace, you know what I mean? This guy <laughs> that wrote some fucking disgusting things. Yeah. And he's standing there getting unnerved by, by <laughs> Christian Bale in a room pretending to be this character. Once again, goes to show a testament to, to Christian Bale's <laughs> acting. Yeah. Um, Lionsgate Film acquired uh, American Psycho distribution rights in May 1998 and set a film budget of 10 million. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, which oh, back then, I mean, I'm guessing it still probably wasn't that much, but I mean, 10 million, you can make a film on it, I mm-hmm. suppose. Um, Harren suggested that the Slim Bale at the time uh, go to a gym since Bateman frequently exercises. Um, she said that within two weeks, which is insane, Bale had totally transformed. Turner said Bale became completely ripped, super tanned, and got his teeth turned into perfect American <laughs> teeth. Um, and once again, it's, it's, it's insane. Um, you know, you hear these um, sort of things quite a bit with um, yeah. with Christian Bale because obviously being a method actor and so on. Yep. But he um, goes all out. <laughs> he goes all out, and you think yeah. to yourself. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm sure this is true. The timeline could be wrong, but obviously Bale was Batman, and he was also the Machinist. Is in the Machinist, mm-hmm. which is an incredible film. And if you've seen the Machinist, you know how much of his life he put on the line because he yes. was practically dead making that film because Pretty the much, amount yeah. of weight he lost. And I'm pretty sure that I read and heard that it only took him about six weeks to go from the machinist to being too big to play Batman. That's insane. This is so fucking insane because he wow. literally, he just lives and breathes it. So he's like, if I need to do it, I'm going to do it. Um, and then obviously, you know, American Psycho is no exception. He was like, I'm, you know, she was like, you're too skinny. And he's like, all right, I'm going to be perfect. <laughs> In like two weeks. It's insane. <laughs> um, yeah. 
and then obviously, so at this time, Bale was a relative unknown. Uh, and at the time, uh, Lionsgate did not want to cast him and pushed for a more famous actor like Edward Norton or Leonardo DiCaprio, who <laughs> Lionsgate was willing to pay 20 million for, although the film, the budget for the film itself would still remain six to 10 million. So, which is insane. Like they were going to pay yeah. him more than what the fucking film would cost. Right. What the, okay. Yeah. Um, DiCaprio was considered the biggest star in the world at the time, having just starred in Titanic back then, obviously the highest grossing film ever. And was, <laughs> uh, and, and was interested in playing Bateman, but Harrod uh, opposed casting him. She argued he was too boyish to play Bateman and that he's I mean, present. Yeah. yeah, he is. Um, <laughs> and that his presence would harm the film. She refused to even consider meeting with him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, can you imagine as like when I was a teenager? I mean, he was like your dream boy, yeah, like right. Hunk, and then he goes and play, he's in Titanic, and then he goes yeah. to play Patrick Bateman. I just, I'm, I don't exactly. You just look at his list of films, like then, like obviously Romeo and Juliet, and and yeah. uh, but yeah, he was very much you know the, the handsome boy next door. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and then trying to get him to play. Back then as well, you know, now obviously we know he's done a lot of more grittier stuff and, and more yeah. uh, more things than then. But yeah, he, he just hasn't got the right look or style for it, especially back then. It wouldn't have worked. No. Um, but but this is what's interesting. So and when I found this out, I it was I it blew my mind because I was like, I can't believe they fucking did it. Um, but at the 51st Cannes Film Festival in uh, May 1998, Lionsgate suddenly announced that DiCaprio had been cast as Bateman um, without basically telling oh, wow. anyone. Um, though they wanted Harren to stay, Harren was fired after making it clear that she would not direct an American Psycho without Christian Bale. Once again sticking to her guns and heck yeah and 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 also it's fucking awesome because yeah she's a female director and mm-hmm. uh, and she fully understands what this film needs to be you know depicted from the book to a film uh and she's yeah stuck to her guns and uh, i fucking love her for it yeah me too that's awesome oh uh, yeah so after she was fired anyway uh, furthermore dicaprio wanted to work with major directors and had drafted a shortlist that included danny boyle Stanley Kubrick and Martin Scorsese, uh, uh, which is Martin Scorsese's brother. Um, <laughs> so, so, so Oliver Stone, obviously he's a director, uh, was actually hired to direct. And after reading with DiCaprio, Jared Leto, douchebag, and Cameron Diaz, <laughs> um, he began reworking the script. Stone and DiCaprio wanted to take the film in a more psychological direction, in contrast to Harren's satire, and turn it into a Jekyll and Hyde-like story, mm-hmm. uh, which, like I said earlier, once again, you t- start taking it down that psychological route, especially with something like, you can all, I've, in my mind, I can almost envision it now with someone like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Like I said, it just takes yeah. more of this psychological journey of, of trying to find a redemption of it, you know what I mean? Whereas there is no redemption from it. Yeah, no, I don't think I like that. No. Um, ultimately, creative differences destroyed their vision. Good. Uh, as DiCaprio was looking for mm-hmm. solutions to things that weren't problems. Uh, in the meantime, even though he was told no, Bale was so confident DiCaprio would depart that he turned down other roles for nine months and continued to prepare, um, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, with Heron and Bale finally given the go-ahead, the film started production with a budget of $7 million, with the majority of the film shot in Toronto, and with a few in New York, because obviously it's so cheap to film in Canada. 
<laughs> apparently so anyway that's where that's that's that, that's where everybody goes apparently that or bulgaria interesting um bale brought his copy of the novel to set every day Harren remained faithful to the novel's dialogue so he would uh, kind of be skimming through it and looking at it and finding little bits and conferring in the corner bale as we know being a method actor he never broke character uh, during the shoot, yeah, he never broke it. He did not socialise off camera. He always <laughs> spoke with an American accent and worked out at the gym for hours to maintain Bateman's physique. Jeez, I can't imagine how how many hours he would have to devote. Yeah, like, yeah, that's it. It's, um, you know, I suppose that sort of one of the good things on these sort of lower budget, smaller films is that the process is shorter because you haven't got the budget to keep Mm-hmm. you know keep rolling keep filming you know as we know from the film and like we've already said there's like his apartment the office yeah. uh the odd outside bit and restaurants and that's pretty yeah. much it so they did what they could with the budget so I, I i suppose it must have been so difficult for the people on set and bail obviously to to maintain his character or have to deal with it but at least it wasn't like a 50 million dollar film where they're doing it for like a year because yeah. i mean then he probably probably would have gone fucking mental <laughs> yeah chicken um, breast all day yeah, yeah that's it that's it <laughs> um his behavior on set confused other actors with josh lucas who appears as one of the business douche boys uh uh-huh. late, later told christian bale that the other actors thought that he was the worst actor they'd ever seen <laughs> so imagine wow. being told that yeah i know what a dick um but this was until they saw the film and they understood what he was trying to achieve and then they said that he completely nailed it yeah uh, but yeah exactly <laughs> I, I i really hope that he just did that sort of like sly turn of his yeah. face and looked at him and went just like gave him the fucking middle finger and then he had to go return video t- <laughs> yeah exactly fuck you lucas I'm going, yeah, I'm returning some video tape. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Harren and Bale excluded Leto. This is, I found this really interesting as well, because I thought, you know, once again, you mm. know, it's a big movie movie process and it goes to show that they genuinely understood the impact of the film. Um, but Harren uh-huh. and Bale excluded Jared Leto from all rehearsals of the murder of Paul Adam. So that way, uh, Leto's ex- expression of the shock when Bale ran at him with an axe would be genuine. So what, oh, wow. so, so what you see in the film is genuine Jared Leto <laughs> shit in his pants. That's great. Um, the shots of Bateman swinging his axe at Alan had to be done quickly since the scene's use of theatrical blood limited the number of takes that they could do. Mm. Uh, Bale swung at a, per- a plexiglass coated camera as the crew squirted fake blood at his face. The blood, funny enough, in the scene that they used covered only half of Bale's face by accident. And Harren found this a perfect metaphor for Jekyll and Hyde aspect of Bateman. Pristine on the outside and bloody and psychotic on the inside, um, which is, you know, one of a bit of movie magic that was happened by accident. And uh, to be honest, I didn't even notice that in the I film. I would have never... Um, I did not notice that either. No, I, I didn't know it. And uh, until what I did was I ended up reading that and then I just watched that scene back and I was like, yeah, it does. And it oh, just, okay. just, it's so, you know, now you know it, it's just another little thing. And right. uh, I bet you Christian Bale was probably so method that he probably like did it on purpose. <laughs> he like knew where every splatter of blood was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and also Bale improvised the Bateman's moonwalk in that scene as well. He did what? He, he, he improvised the moonwalk. He, oh. <laughs> so, 
though. I mean, it's not much of a moonwalk. He's just in walking backwards quickly. But, yeah. um, you know, yeah. I'll let him have it. I'm not going to tell him anything because, you know, he's a methodaki. He could just snap in any instant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something pivotal and integral to the telling of American Psycho, whether that be the novel or the movie, is that the music is a driving force for the movie to really mm-hmm. give you a sense of the era, but also to Patrick Bateman as a character because... You know, he actually loves and enjoys listening to music, which quite possibly is the only thing he feels any form of emotion for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we spoke about it in the film. You know, he, he has these sort of relationships with people in the film that are essentially cover ups. They're all false, you know, because he realizes that this is what he needs to do to fit in. Right. Um, whereas the way that he talks about music is like a story in the film that you can tell that that's his love in, in yeah. it, you know and then yeah. also yeah I mean I, well you sort of hope it is in a way because um otherwise he literally feels nothing but it's sort of one of those things where you're like if he wasn't talking that way um because I mean whoever he's talking to they don't give a fucking shit do they? <laughs> I know he's just <laughs> like, rambling on about whatever yeah exactly talking about <laughs> Okay, uh, you know, uh, what's it, Phil Collins and Huey Lewis and stuff. Whitney and, you know, Houston. Whitney Houston, that's yeah. it. And then, you know, everybody's sitting there like, what, what's going on? I fucking love that soundtrack too, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so it's, 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 a, it's I mean, it's a great soundtrack. And I actually found out um, that uh, my birthday's on the 1st of April and, in, and I was born in 1985 and I looked it up and Susudio was number one uh, in 1985 on my birthday. Wow. So, yeah. Um, you have a magical connection. I have a magical connection <laughs> with uh, with Patrick Payman. Uh, hopefully, it only goes as far as liking Phil Collins. The soundtrack features, as we we said, eighties classics, including David Bowie, Phil Collins, The Cure, New Order, Huey Lewis in the News, and many more. Due to the film's controversial nature, uh, obtaining the rights proved difficult. Though the production was able to obtain the rights to all necessary songs, Whitney Houston refused to allow the use of a performance of The Greatest Love of All. So an orchestral uh, arrangement had to be used instead. Um, she, she was like, really yeah, she was like, no, you're not fucking using it. Like, um, no. <laughs> and also, I that is something that I did notice as well when I first watched it, because I was like, mm-hmm. that doesn't it doesn't sound like it. Um, so all the other songs that they use in the film is obviously, you know, the, the real versions of them. I have um, to go back and listen because I didn't I didn't even I didn't recognize that at all. No, it's just it's when it's done, it's almost like as if it's like some sort of elevator version of okay. the greatest love of all. Um, but it's funny because then he's talking so lovingly yeah. over it. And I know, you know. I remember his, his very descriptive you know, yeah. review of it. But <laughs> and, and the thing is, as well, is that when you think of these scenes, all I have is him talking over top of it. And also I'm like that when I read the book, because obviously I saw the film before I read the book. When I'm reading the book, I'm doing it in sort of Patrick Bateman's voice right. and his character um, that I just, I can't get away from it. It's annoying. <laughs> um, uh, so, and this, do you know what? This is insane as well. So as a promotion, uh, you could register to receive, obviously this is fucking way back then. So it was like emails. Uh, mm-hmm. But you could receive emails from Patrick Bateman himself. Supposedly, they were to his therapist. Um, the emails, they were written by writer, uh, the writer attached to the film and approved by the book's author, Brett Easton Ellis. Um, and what they do is that the emails follow Bateman's life since the events of the film. So it's essentially like a sequel, but for an email. Wait, um, what? 
can email you could email him yeah so basically basically as a promotion you registered i'm guessing what would happen is that you would go somewhere and type in your email and you would get an email back from you know patrick bateman um (laughs) and what that would does he would discuss such developments after the film as his marriage to an impending divorce settlement with settlement with his former secretary gene so if you're taking if you're taking this as canon uh then yeah he he marries her his complete adoration for his son patrick jr of course okay uh and his efforts to triumph over his business rivals so uh yeah basically essentially this sort of um where it's brett easton ellis who wrote this and well approved it is he's essentially saying yeah that's sort of the continuation of his story through an email I want to email them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's such a weird, I mean, you know, this is what happened back in, in that time before we had all the uh, proper technology we do now. Yeah, I mean, it was like like the Freddie hotline that you used to be able to call. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's mad. But I find that interesting because it sort of gives you that sort of insight as to what yeah. happened next. But however, Christian Bale was not happy with this um, <laughs> because he said that his main objection is that some people... Um, they think that it's him returning those emails um, and that he doesn't like it. Um, he, he thinks that the movie stands out in its own merits and should attract an audience that can appreciate intelligent satire. It's not a slasher flick, uh, but it's also not American Pie. Uh, the marketing should reflect that. So basically, uh, he got pissed off. Um, I don't know whether they took it down after that. Um, but yeah, but, but, but I think it's a clever bit of marketing. Yeah, yeah. Especially back then, because obviously I, I you know, can't imagine him having really a say in it, though. I mean, he could be pissed off, but yeah, it's yeah, just exactly. Fine. Yeah, he, yeah, he can sit in a corner and, and be pissed off as much as he wants, but I mean, they're paying him, right? So, American Psycho debuted at the Sundance Film Festival, where it polarized audiences and critics. Some showered the film with praise for its writing and performance uh, from Christian Bale, others with criticism for its violent nature, which in a film like this, you're going to get, aren't you? Um, yeah. you know, it's just, just going to happen. Um, upon its theatrical release, the film received positive reviews in crucial publications, including the New York Times, which called it a mean and lean horror comedy classic, which is, <laughs> which is to be fair, is right. I mean, you know, right. it, it, it got it sort of, you know, nailed, nailed there because, you know, as we've both said, we do find it funny, even though maybe we shouldn't. Um, <laughs> the, the film yeah. went on to make 34 million worldwide. So it definitely made back its money on yes. its budget. But especially bearing in mind the rating and what the film's subject matter details, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously when this film came out, people would go and see it. People would tell everybody what it's about. So the fact that it made money and made more than its budget um, is, is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but it has gone on for many years as one of those dark films we all love to watch. Bateman, sure, may be nasty and sadistic and a sack of shit. But ultimately, if he didn't do any of the things he believes he did, then ultimately he's a sick person who needs some help. But mm-hmm. he's very fucking entertaining. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he is. So now you've had everything so far as, as you normally get on the show. You've had uh, the absolutely fantastic Google synopsis, uh, <laughs> which is about as detailed as you can get. You've had my, uh, you know, probably not even as good as Google Synopsis, but it's more in detailed. So that's that's it just the way better. that that works. Yeah, good. I'm sure it was. <laughs> um, 
Uh, and then you've had, you know, obviously the information about the film and the production and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully everybody found that interesting. Um, if they didn't, then fuck them. Um, yeah, that's what I say. That's what I say about everything. Um, but now we move on to another bit I like because I get to learn stuff that I didn't know. And sometimes I do know them and then I just prove to everybody that I'm the best. Um, but so so number one uh, out of but I'm doing facts, by the way, I forgot to say that's what I'm doing facts. Um, number one, Bale was advised that taking the role was career suicide. Uh, when offered the part, Bale said he had all these messages on his answering machine telling him this was career suicide. And that just made him even more excited. Obviously, it would because <laughs> it's Christian Bale and he's fucking mad. Um, number two, Aaron. Sorry. Do you think, do you, why do you think they said that was going to be career suicide for him? Because he hadn't really. It's not like he was Leonardo DiCaprio who had well, all these like little teeny boppers loving him. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he's interesting, is it? I'm wondering whether, yeah. it's, whether it's just a film where it's like he's obviously an actor. He loves acting. He wants to act. Um, you know, he wants to take on these sort of roles or something that might get yeah. him noted. Whereas he's probably his uh, what they call him um, agent or something. He's probably like we want to try and get you more on these sort of roles like Titanic or something like that <laughs> right. rather than anything else at the moment so so yeah so I don't know I don't know it's, yeah. it's interesting isn't it it's but interesting. I mean, yeah. thank god he did thank god he did yeah thank thank you Christian Bale yeah exactly for first you know sticking to what you want to do and not what somebody mm -hmm. else wants you to do number two Harren and Bale were given the green light um, but could only spend 10 million uh, as part of the agreement in giving the project uh, back to Harren, uh, with Bale in the lead, they were given a strict budget of 10 million and had to agree to the cast known, uh, uh, cast known faces in supporting roles, hence the casting of Reese Witherspoon, Willem Dafoe and Jared Leto. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, not a bad deal because obviously you've got, you know, you got those in it and would, would uh, advertise your film a little bit more. Yeah, and what's funny is, all the other characters could have been, the roles could have been filled by anybody else and I wouldn't have gave a shit. But like Christian Bale and Patrick Bateman, I just can't, I can't see somebody else playing that one. No, no, exactly. Number three, Bale worked out a lot for the role. I mean, I've already sort of said this, uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, in order to achieve Bateman's near uh, perfect physique, Bale worked out with a trainer for three hours a day, six days per week, because he's fucking <laughs> mental. <laughs> Uh, number four, Bale modelled Patrick Bateman after Tom Cruise. Uh, <laughs> in attempting to find a way to connect with Bateman's character, Bale happened uh, to come upon uh, a late night interview between Tom Cruise and David Letterman. Bale channeled Cruise's intense friendliness with nothing behind the eyes to play the role. You know, you can sort of see that. I would like to see that interview. <laughs> yeah. Number five perfectly peeling the face mask at the beginning only took one single take you know it's impressive that the whole thing comes off in one piece uh but making the moment even better is the fact that the production didn't need any more than one take to do it as everything went perfectly during the first attempt which obviously very rarely happens um mm -hmm. but yeah i mean obviously it's an integral scene to that film he's talking about his beauty regime and everything mm -hmm. like that and um it's just a cool looking scene that i always remember and i'm not gonna lie yeah. as yeah, soon as i saw it the first thing i did was went out and brought a face mask so i'm not gonna <laughs> lie um you know and also at the time i had like curtains as well so 
uh, I had the same sort of hair and everything as Patrick <laughs> Bateman. So I was just like, there we go. Impressionable. But did your face mask come off in one peel? Nah, don't be stupid. It never worked like that. I'm not, never, never going to be as Hollywood as that. It came off and I remember just shouting, like just getting fucking pissed off that it was so shit. Um, num- number six, Mary Harron called Christian Bale robo actor on set because of a very special skill he has this made me laugh this is because bale's co-stars noted that the star was able to break out in perspiration at the exact same time take after take so basically in that scene that we've mentioned already with the uh with the business cards yeah apparently he was making himself sweat that's just on cue like so when you're watching that bit in the film and he's got the photo the, the card and he's sort of got the shaky hands and stuff when he's <laughs> talking about it um like oh how he's perforated and all that sort of stuff or whatever he's like when they did that every take he would like not be sweating and then he would sweat and it's the same scene when he's in the bathroom with yeah. Lewis, and yeah. you can see him sweating bullets yeah so and then that's it and he's basically being like he's so in control of everything he's like sweat that's it. He can it just clicks. sweat on command. He, even, even his glands are scared of him. Wow. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Um, number seven, Bale was very comfortable with his on-screen nudity and had no problems running around nude with a chainsaw and a cock sock. Bale loves to be nude, basically. Oh, I, I would like to be on that set. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, <laughs> if you look that good, you know, and you're the perfect <laughs> specimen, you'd fucking run around everywhere, wouldn't you? <laughs> Getting arrested left, right, and center. I mean, if you're working out three hours a day, I mean, yeah, six days a week. You might as well just show it off. You might as well just run around, but as long as you've got the white tennis shoes to go it's with only it. Only with the tennis shoes, yeah. Only with the tennis shoes. Otherwise, it's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so number eight, this is the last one I've got. Uh, but the character Bateman mistakenly, uh, oh, this is the one that was interesting actually. So Bateman mistakenly uh, attributes a quote by Edmund Kemper to Ed Gein. So, Mm -hmm. which has led to a lot of it being mistaken uh, as such by others. So Bateman says, um, you know, when what Ed Gein says about women, he said, when I see a pretty girl walking down the street, I think two things. One part of me wants to take her out, talk to her, be real nice and sweet and treat her right. The other part wonders what her head would look like on a stick. Oh my god! (laughs) I mean, it's I mean, it's nasty, isn't it? But um, and it's also bad bad knowing that that's actually come from a real person in real life mouth, you know, and 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 that the you know there's nasty people like that out there. But um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, apparently, yeah, he he attributes that to Ed Gein in the movie, but it's actually by Edmund Kemper. Oh okay. Yeah. Um, Also, I can't imagine Ed Gein doing something like that because when I see a pretty girl. (laughs) <laughs> walking down the street um i don't know why he's just turned into uh lieutenant dan from forest yeah. gum <laughs> or forest gum you got right. me legs um but yeah that's a game by the way that's exactly how it sounded if anybody wants to know yeah. that's exactly it that's practically a sound clip um <laughs> so, 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 um so that's the facts that, that that's basically everything i've got with it i'm sure there's like there's loads out there you know there's loads out there yeah there's a there's there's a ton. There, there, there's loads. Um, and, and predominantly a lot of them are around Bale being the fucking best or mental. So, yeah, so that's it. There's there's the facts as well. So um, one of the things I wanted to do, because obviously, you know, we are discussing the film, not the book of the same title that it's based on. So I didn't I didn't mm-hmm. really want to talk too much about the book, but I thought 
um, you know, it'd be interesting to talk about like the little bit and that. So, you know, this this film is in in, in no exception in regards to what they added into the film um, that's in the books and then what they didn't add that they could have, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, as we know, this has gone in Hollywood for years and years. And sometimes you sort of, uh, as a viewer, sit on the vent uh, on the fence uh, more as the reader. And thinking the book is better than the film, or sometimes you're the watcher who believes the film is better than the book. But ultimately, mm-hmm. in my view, sort of, you should always view them um, on their own merits. You know, something like uh, American Psycho, can you really depict everything that goes on in, in the book and put that to film? Right. Not, you know, not really. I don't think you can. Uh, and to be honest, I know I wouldn't want to see a lot of it. It's Sorry. interesting. No, it's um, it's just interesting because with this movie, I saw the movie first and then right, I read yeah, the book. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, read the book yeah. in college and I don't really remember the book that well, but I also no. don't hear a lot of people comparing this movie to the book. I feel like the movie is just like its own thing. Yes. Yeah. No. It's it, no. it's like its own entity and it, and it mm-hmm. should be. But yeah, this this film is something a bit different because it wasn't, as, as we've already said, really, isn't taken uh, to be a repeat of the book to screen. It's really more of an exploration of the character through cin- cinema, not in a written word. That's essentially what we're saying. Yeah. Um, so obviously, like, like you have as well, I've, all, I've read the novel of American Psycho and I do own it. Um, surprisingly as well, because basically I'm not very clever. So reading is something that my brain can't really capacitate um, very well because I enjoy the visual elements. That's why mm-hmm. I love film and, and horror and cinema so much because you know my brain can capacitate visual <laughs> stuff rather than um anything that's written um but basically what that means is that if there uh, is you know a book I have to be really fully engrossed in a book for me to want to carry on reading it and I actually found that with American Psycho was one of those books mm-hmm. um, I think it's uh, just a very intelligent or in- interesting way of how it's written um I mean maybe that makes me you know like a bit twisted I don't know um (laughs) but also it's a very very dark um book but for fans of the book um that I thought I would throw in as I said you know the differences uh from the book to the big screen so um so here's some of them so in the book uh Bateman does come uh to a realization that he indeed has a mental health problem in the book he calls an escort to his apartment and while she's leaving he confesses to her how he thinks he's losing his mind um so that's interesting because in the book you get less of a realization that he feels that there's any form of emotion so to speak um Mm -hmm. whereas in that it's sort of having that sort of um you know as it says a realization that what he's doing may or may not be wrong yeah um Bateman's violence knows no limit in the novel. Uh, during a visit to the zoo, he slices a, a little boy's neck, which is fucking horrible. Uh, yeah. Uh, and at that moment, he enjoys it, but he later uh, voices his regret. He criticizes himself for killing the boy since children have made uh, have no mistakes to pay for. After that incident, he vows to never kill a kid again. So once again, could they have put that into the film? would you want that in the film probably not you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah um perhaps due to uh, the limitations of time the movie version of bateman has way fewer on-screen victims than the book version in the book the serial killer murders more than 50 people within a short span of time before the story reaches its conclusion 
A total of 23 victims can be counted in the movie. However, um, there's a scene where Bateman's secretary shows up uh, and obviously, like I said, she's been bloody rude and looking at his book. Um, <laughs> and uh, that shows more victims listed. So this means that right. he killed way more people off screen. Yeah. Um, which which also mm -hmm. makes sense. You know, it's a film, uh, you know, can only be a certain amount of thing. You know, it's not going to be a six hour film and depict everything that's in the book or every every kill he makes. So, um, you yeah. know, they chose the ones that they needed to and, and do the right thing by the film. But it also it's interesting because it shows that if he has, he's done a lot of more horrible fucking things. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the novel, Bateman gives a reason for everything he has done or he is about to do before he murders someone. He gives a detailed explanation ranging from the person's habits to their beliefs. Of course, none of his exp explanations are justifications for murder, but the reader gets to understand why he made specific decisions. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, get, I felt like it was, I felt like the movie was kind of lacking that because you yes. had to draw your own conclusions on like, yeah. why he why he's choosing the victims that he's choosing and, and what's the reason behind it yes yeah so, no you're, yeah. you're right you're 100 mm -hmm. right um the violent scenes are much more graphic um which they they really are in the book uh with entire pages dedicated to describing a single murder as a result of its gruesome content the novel was banned in several countries one of the scenes from the book um, to hide, actually, to go back, actually, I remember it being banned, and I remember it actually being really difficult to get hold of. It was only a lot later that I managed to get hold of it. Um, but yes, yeah, so I do actually remember it being banned. One of the scenes from the book to highlight the hyperviolence and ultimate sadistic nature of Patrick Bateman is a scene when he takes a prostitute home and she asks about the smell, and he tells her it's a dead rat. He has sex with her and then tortures and kills her. He mutilates her body and lets the rat eat it. Uh, yeah, he kills the rat and bakes a few of the girl's bones in his oven. So uh, that scene, um, you know, it, it's basically, it's, it's obviously a way more graphic than that, yeah. you know, in the book. But I'm sort of trying to put it nicely, if you can, um, because you sort of can't. Um, right. This this scene from the, from the book is always, always stuck with me. So... Uh, you know, so much so that every time I pick up the book from the shelf or even look at the cover, I'm reminded of this scene because it's a fucking nasty, wow. nasty scene. Yeah, that sounds vivid. Um, there is the scene at the end of the movie when he's like confessing to his lawyer and he's like, uh, he says he like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He made her he's eat. He's like, it. and I ate yeah. a little. Yeah. Or ate their brains or whatever. And I'm like, OK, they didn't show any of that. So no. That <laughs> yeah. It's book maybe I, or just. It, it goes to show as well um, the full understanding of the film they're trying to make, um, because I would not want that fit scene to be in the film. <laughs> no, me neither. Um, and I find that difficult to read, um, mm -hmm. not just because I'm stupid, but because um, I find it <laughs> difficult to read because it's just such a fucking horrible scene that once yeah. again, it's one of those things, sort of like what we said earlier, that Brett Easton Ellis is a real man in real life writing these sort of things. Mm -hmm. And you sort of, uh, you've got to try and it's difficult to comprehend that someone is writing something so nasty. Yeah. Um, so I don't like that scene in the book and I'm really happy that they didn't put it in the movie. Me too. Um, so that's basically, that's it. There's a few bits about the book of American psycho. Uh, and so we don't need to go into more detail because we're doing it about the film, not about the book, but 
yeah, there's, there's differences, but I think what you can take from those differences is that they, like I said, they know what type of film they were trying to make and they put in what they needed to to make it work. They didn't have to put in these uh, scenes from the book that would have made it possibly stand out more in a really mm-hmm. bad way. Um, because unfortunately, you put a scene in about a rat and that fucking nasty shit that goes on, that's going to be what the film's known for, not because not for being a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Um, I- yeah, uh, good, good. But that's it. Yes, I mean that's it. There's a few bits to say um, about that. I mean, this is yeah. I mean, have you got anything to add to that? I was just thinking about the book, um, and yeah. if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I feel like you know the scenes in the movie where he's listening to all the music right yeah. before he like kills his victims, and he's being very descriptive. It almost sounds like he's reading like a review. Yes. But in the book, I feel like if I'm not mistaken, it's almost like a chapter full of just. Yeah facts and details about like Whitney Houston or yeah it's way more detailed uh yeah it's it's I think it's because it's a book and obviously you know that you can it can go on for however fucking long it wants um but yeah it it is very much the the uh explanation or the sort of information you get about the things is definitely greater it's sort of I mean I suppose that's one thing it sort of took from the book is his sort of love for for music yeah and uh, and it's like the only thing that he shows any sort of form of emotion for. Right. Um, but yeah, I remember you know, reading the book and being like, fuck yeah. this, I'm not reading this. Just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You can skip like those bits. Yeah, like <laughs> if I want to read anything about Whitney Houston, I'll just go to Wikipedia. <laughs> right. Um, so, th- I mean, that's it. That that That's basically the sort of differences and, and so on with the book. But the good thing, you know, is that we get to move on to uh, obviously one of my favourite parts of the podcast uh, that I love. Um, especially obviously when I've got a brilliant guest involved because it's obviously <laughs> just not me talking shit all the time, uh, <laughs> is where we get to talk about how we feel about American Psycho. Uh, yeah, how, how do you feel about American Psycho? What, what do you think? What are your thoughts on it? So American Psycho. Um, so this movie came out in 2000. Yeah. In 2000, yeah. I mean, I'm showing my age here, but I was about, I want to say I was 16 or 17. And I say this because when I saw the movie, uh, me and my best friend, she was driving at the time, but we used to go to, these used to exist back in the day, like a dollar movie theater. Right. Yeah. But at the dollar movie theater, it was always movies that like were older, you know, okay. you like a, a new release. It was older. And so we were like, let's just go see a movie. You have a car. Let's go do this. And so that's why I think we were 17 and not 16. <laughs> right. Um, but it was like one of those first horror movies. We went in and we had no idea what we were going into. And that's just, a, this is a mad film to do that, right? <laughs> right. And we were 17 <laughs> and you know the content of the film. Mm. Uh, so we went in in there we watched it and people were literally getting up from their seats and leaving (laughs) as we were watching it and we were like cracking up we were like what the fuck are we watching um so we finished the movie and literally I want to say like the next weekend we went and watched it again because we were like what were we missing from that movie like there was just so many questions and I'm almost 40 now and the fact that this movie has stayed with me since I was 17 I mean there's just so many memorable quotes there's so many like fucking like awesome like the music in it and everything but yeah as I've gotten older I've realized okay I am fucking psycho yeah yeah like <laughs> you know yeah, like you're, you're, you're I enjoy this movie that's literally about 
you know, um, this higher class society, these rich people are getting away with shit like this, specifically men treating women like dirt. And, yeah, you know, yeah. like the content of the film is very dark, but it's just, I could, I could say that this is not my top five, but definitely in my top 10. Like, it's yeah, just, yeah. it's such a, a movie that has stuck with me throughout the years. And even when I got married to my husband, I was like, oh, do you like American Psycho? And we sat down and, and he, this is one of his favorite films. So we just have so much banter back and forth yeah, in yeah. our relationship with quotes. And, you know, it's just, it's just Christian Bale is amazing. Um, everything about the movie. I just, I really, really enjoy. Yeah, it's, you sure. it, you yeah. you're exactly right. It's, it's, it's iconic. I, so I remember there's two things that sort of, um, sort of stand out for me with this film one of them was uh like like yourself the first time i ever watched it so when blockbusters you know was a real thing and and uh <laughs> life was yeah. so much fucking better and uh you know we got to go and get vhs tapes and spend as long as i wanted there just staring at which horror films i wanted to watch next and mm -hmm. uh and life was good um the, uh, <laughs> i i would spend my time in blockbuster and what they used to do over here um is they used to do what they call like X rentals. So uh, what they would do is they would end up getting like loads of these films in. And then when they sort of slowed down and less people were um, renting them, then they would sell off. I don't think they were supposed to, but they would sell off these films that they had duplicates of, like more versions of them. Mm -hmm. And I... I want to say that I, it was, do you know what? It might have been Wishmaster, which is the other other film I got. <laughs> but what happened is that basically these films, they came out, you ended up getting these films at X rental before they came out on stand, like normal home video because uh -huh. they were renting because obviously that always came out first. So you would yeah. get these films first, but because they were secondhand, you got them a bit cheaper. So, I mean, it was a win-win situation. But American Psycho was one that I picked up purely because of the front cover because you had you know like Christian Bale on there with the same hairstyle as I had with one of those <laughs> ice packs on his face um and it's and it's like an iconic image to me and literally still to this day I can still think of myself uh picking up that that video and just going okay well I, and I read the back and I was just like well obviously you know I want to watch this and took it home and uh yeah and I was very much like yourself I was you know it leaves so much to explanation that you sort of feel <laughs> that you need to see it again because um once you start getting into the process of thinking about and understanding well look is it real is it not then it opens up a whole bigger doorway you know and, and a gateway of going right well once again if it isn't real then what the fuck's going on and if it is right. real what the fuck's going on yeah. um, so uh it's so interesting and then the second uh the second memory I have um is when I didn't go to college but a friend of mine did and they would always do special showings at a local cinema and mm -hmm. if you went to that college you could go and watch it and uh I used to sneak sneak into it every week <laughs> um and American Psycho was one of those and uh, watching that with with people uh, who sort of haven't seen it before, hadn't seen it before, was interesting yeah. because you could sort of see when the scenes happened that obviously mm -hmm. are, you know, fucked up. You could see people sort of, uh, you know, wincing their seats and stuff <laughs> and, and you could see, you know, them clenching up and stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, obviously I knew what the fuck, I knew what was coming, you know. <laughs> 
So uh, I'm sitting there laughing my ass off and they're all looking <laughs> at me going, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You know, you, and uh, but I always had to sneak out early. So that way, at the end of it, they didn't have to see like my college card or anything. I just ran out. Um, but yeah, thug life and all that, you know. That. I love that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just, but it's once again, uh, you know, with, with acting and filmmaking, when I watch, no matter what film it is, whether it's, you know, the run of the mill horror that we always get, that's is very standard or one of these sort of, you know, more intelligently put story driven horrors that have so many layers. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I'm always looking for in, in films is, is the aspects and, how they do it and you know obviously we've spoken about the importance of uh mary harron uh you know and he how integral she is to getting this film not only made but made in the way that she did and she did it her way and and she got christian bay on and on board that they did it their way together yeah and, it was like um, a team effort <laughs> yeah exactly and i think it's um i think it's uh a real a real triumph uh, especially back then for a female director to be able to stand her ground and and say this is the, what I want to do and mm -hmm. uh, and what she did was make a film that's fucking iconic yeah. that as you rightly said uh, you know you you still think about it you still speak mm -hmm. about it and so do other people I literally when I went out yesterday and I spoke to somebody uh, about it and uh, and I said about American Psycho and you can hear them like you know if they've seen it straight away you can see the look in their face because they're sort of trying to make out what you think of it and how much of a mental you are <laughs> but yeah it, you know it is it's, it's now I mean we can say it's an old film 22 years old and mm -hmm. it still has an impact on you every time you watch it yeah um there is no understating Christian Bale's performance in it I mean it's, it's obviously it's what made him uh he's gone on to be and continue to be an absolutely ridiculously fantastic actor. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely, I love it. I love the guy. He's, he's one of those people that as a, as an actor and uh, you can study and um, you can aim to achieve anything that he's done. Mm -hmm. um, but in this film, he's perfect. And sometimes it's like a bit like, uh, like so many people I've spoken to who don't like American Psycho. A lot of it is because they think his performance isn't good in it, but they don't understand it. And that's the point. Hmm. So um, well, you've got to immediately dump those friends. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. Um, but yeah, that is, I think that's the thing. If you, if you don't like uh, this film, I think it, a lot of it is because you might not get it. And I, right. I think that's the thing. You know, it is a satire. Um, it is... A horror comedy if you can say that mm -hmm. um but it's it's very dark very dark which is yeah like why I wanted to why I wanted to do it because um I've not really done a film so twisted yet yeah I'm um, glad we did this movie yeah I'm glad I'm glad we did I'm glad I'm glad that you uh, you had it on your list and as yeah. soon as you had it on there I was just like there's there's so much layers so much to talk about this film and um and you've got everything, uh, everything in it that you need, and and it's got a good basis in the book, and mm -hmm. uh, but for me, once again, it's an important part of horror, and that's that's that that's the uh, that's what I try and do with the show is is try and talk about the important parts of horror, and American Psycho for me is definitely definitely one of them. Yeah, yeah, me too. Two um, questions. Yeah, go on. First question: When can I get a picture of you with the Patrick Bateman hairstyle? <laughs> <laughs> So I, I think I'll need to see it. 
Oh, they they went in the fire of '98. No, um, <laughs> no. Uh, I I will try and dig one out, but I genuinely don't think there is any of my curtains anymore. Oh man. Yeah, I wish there was. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think the world's ready for it. I see a Photoshop. Project. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll get a Photoshop going. <laughs> the second question: Do you think that this is real or fantasy? I want to think that it's not real. Uh, that's what I want to think because I, the, you know, the, the human in me wants to go, none of this happened because the things that he did is so fucking horrible. Yeah. Uh, that's it. So, you know, the human in me, there's not much left, but uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever there is, the humanity that I have, you know, because I then it sort of, for me, it makes it more interesting mm-hmm. um, because if he, and, and also sadder in a way. And although that's a weird thing to say about a character so fucking nasty is Patrick Bateman. But once again, it always goes down to mental health issues. And mm-hmm. um, for me, it's, it, it whole, goes down to the whole serial killer route. You know, something right. created these monsters. Um, you know, very rarely, unless I don't want to get down this route. But if you talk about someone like Ted Bundy, you know, not that much is out there to turn around and say that he wasn't anything other than the nasty piece of shit that created himself to be this person. Right. Um, who, you know, it's a fucking arsehole. <laughs> but yeah. um, uh, but so there's very rarely. But a lot of the time, you know, these monsters are created from circumstance and uh, it makes you sort of if this didn't happen, um, then it's quite sad because something has helped, you know, he's so gone, he's so far gone in on the mental spectrum that he, he this is, this is his life now. And, and that it's, uh, he's now gone fucking absolutely do lally thinking about the fact that yeah. he's going around doing these nasty things to people. So I like to think in regards to story, because I find it more interesting and uh, to try and humanize it a bit more. I, I like to think that he didn't, do it what do you yeah. think what do you think i mean both scenarios are fucked up yes yeah well that's the thing yeah definitely <laughs> yeah 100%. um my husband and i have this debate a lot every time yeah, we watch yeah. it because i do i feel like i flip-flop like sometimes i really yeah. think it is fantasy and then you know other times i'm like i don't know maybe this really did happen i yeah. mean there's just so much context in the movie that makes you argue with yourself whether yeah. it's real or not so um when i watched it the other day I was like okay this is real and yeah. then I watched it again and I was like no this is fantasy yeah, <laughs> so it's just... I'm really on the fence with it because I mean there's a lot of there's a scene where he's on the phone and he's like dumping pills down his throat and I'm like yeah. well this is very like mental health like yes. just so I don't know I, I'm on the fence <laughs> yeah it's difficult isn't it because it's one of those things as well like what like you only see what is in the film right so you don't know like you're saying with the pills you don't know if he's going to a psychiatrist mm-hmm. uh, to go and speak about these problems that he's having. And it's just progressively getting worse and worse and worse to the mm-hmm. point that this is where he is in his life now, where he's envisioning all these things that he didn't do. Uh, but then yeah. at the same time, the film does fall very heavily on that he did do these things, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially with obviously with the scenes with the prostitutes and stuff. Um, there's very small or limited amount of time for it to show or, or that it will show you whether it's part of his imagination. Right. Um, you know, the only times you really get that is when it starts obviously getting to the nearer the end of the film where people were saying, 
you didn't do this because I was I met Paul Allen in London. Right. Um, he shoots the cop cars and looks at his gun, all confused. <laughs> He's shoving a shat a, a cat a shat, which is actually yes. French for cat. So um, <laughs> but, um, a cat um, yeah. into a, a money machine. You know what I mean? It's just it only gets nearer the end of the film where the 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 you know the the screws are coming loose. Right. Um, where you sort of start getting the hint of it, with, but and but the, obviously the book plays more on that aspect mm-hmm. rather rather than the film. So um, it's interesting because it could go either way. But I sort of for me, in regards to keeping it interesting and trying to be a bit more of a human, uh, and rather than the, the 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 everyday robot that I am, yeah. Um, then yeah, I I sort of hope that it it, it didn't happen. Um, because I find it a bit more interesting if it didn't, because then it becomes all about what help can this person get because he's too far gone. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but once again, what the fuck do I know? <laughs> I, I, I just, I can't come to a decision. I really no, can't. No, that's it. And I think that's what he's still, after 22 years of this <laughs> right. film, we're still talking about it and going, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just don't mm-hmm. know. You know, there, there is no definitive answer uh no one's turned around and come out as well as far as i know and said yep it's all it's all a lie yeah <laughs> so and I, that's what i love about it i love it yeah. uh you know it's it's another like i said it's another integral part of horror and it is uh something that we we love and we love to watch and every time we watch it it raises questions and uh that's that's when horror is at its best yeah. Um, because uh, it's a different type of horror. This is, you know, it's not your standard. It's definitely a two thousand horror. I definitely say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's it. I mean, that's 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 everything. Everybody's got you. Everybody has got uh, synopsis. Brilliant one. Uh, you've got uh, loads of really good facts and information mm-hmm. about the film, its production, about the the amazing Mary Harron, the director, who's just obviously a fucking absolute G. Uh, she she's uh, <laughs> fucking awesome, and I love the fact that she stood uh, stood by everything to get what she wanted done. And there's not many people around that can say that they did that, especially back then in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and Bale is a fucking absolute. He's just so good that there, there is no one else who can do that. No. Um, and I'm glad that that means that even to this day, 22 years later, as I keep saying. He's still here, a uh, big movie star and doing whatever he wants. Yeah, um, I would love to hear people's uh, ideas on who could actually play Patrick Bateman besides. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, yeah, I want to know. Uh, what did I say earlier? I can't remember. Oh, what, which, yeah. which horror movies does he watch? Yeah, that's it. Send them <laughs> in. I do want to know. Get on when yeah. you've listened to this. Get on to uh, Instagram because that's pretty much what I use and uh, send me messages or whatever you want to do and let me know uh what um whatever i said i don't even remember now what did i say <laughs> we need to what? know his horror movies and yes that's it yeah, yeah what horror movies he is renting what when <laughs> when he pops down to blockbuster what is he renting um i want to know and i want to see him because i i bet you they're probably brilliant what people can yeah. come up with yeah. uh and also who yeah who do you think that else could have played patrick bateman back then not talking now i'm thinking about back then um right. obviously tom cruise could have been one of them i mean he's the basis uh <laughs> but also uh you know he's probably the same size as one of the axes that they would have used That's so true. that could have been quite funny <laughs> although i can say nothing because i'm actually the same height as tom cruise so um <laughs> That's how short I am. 
um so yeah so that's it that's your american cycle episode but importantly as we always do uh, i want you to tell me about 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 what you do so and you'll be able to put it way better than what i can say so, so what do you do so everyone can find you and everybody knows uh what, what what you what you're all about let me know yeah um you actually described it briefly earlier um in the intro but i do have an instagram account i have tiktok um i'm just your everyday horror loving fan yeah uh yeah. so you know i have i do some funny tiktoks funny reels on instagram when i first started doing it it was a lot more uh makeup stuff which right. i would really love to start doing again but with a family and work starting up it's it's very time consuming <laughs> i can imagine i can imagine yeah it is time consuming um but i do i do plan on doing a couple more before the summer ends and you know i just like to have a good time i like to connect with other horror people and i think this summer i did do a 30-day uh horror movie marathon with yes a you did yeah yeah Mm -hmm. So that was a lot of fun. That was kind of like my first. So on Instagram, I just did the reviews. And then on TikTok, I did the reviews on camera. So right. that was kind of fun because I was like, okay, I don't really do reviews. I'm not like an expert. I'm not a pro. Um, but that was a lot of fun. So I, I do think I'll kind of dive into that a little bit more. Um, just reviewing movies and when I get the time to watch a movie <laughs> and I found that really interesting yeah. as well because when I was reading your reviews and looking at like your scores and stuff mm -hmm. to be fair loads of yours were very similar to what I would give the films as well oh, good, um, because... so where every time you did one I was like uh, yeah I agree with that even if you gave like lower ones I was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're right it's, so it's actually very intimidating posting a review with your yeah. rating oh tell me about just, it just so many people that are going to come at you oh yeah they agree with you or they don't agree with you so i mean like we, if... <laughs> we we all know like 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 yourself the horror community and i talk about it all the time and the reason being yeah. is obviously because it is i i i love doing this but the reason i love doing this is because <laughs> of i mean that's the point of me doing the podcast is getting to talk to people like you and people all around the world about yeah. my favorite genre in the world mm -hmm. um but we know that the horror fans are so dedicated and so committed to these films Yes. um that um that they it, it's it's almost personal uh when you start talking uh or like you know slagging off something a film uh that they may absolutely love uh i mean ultimately decisions are our own you know the right. amount of stick i've got for hating malignant um <laughs> or not necessarily liking hereditary um yeah. and i get fucking shit all the time i got shit last night when i was on the stag do talking about hereditary and uh and then i had to spend about 20 minutes listening to someone tell me how good it was and why oh, i should yeah. like it yeah. um and then at the end of it i went well that's up to you mate um but, <laughs> you know but that's it that's yeah. horror um so yeah. i'm with you on that it is daunting sometimes when you put up uh, a review uh but ultimately when you watch something and then you enjoy it you enjoy it and if you don't then fuck it yeah yeah um and uh and that's that's what i've come to uh come to accept so uh hopefully um you know american psycho is one of the films people like otherwise we've done an episode about a film that people don't give a right. shit about <laughs> or it's just it's for us <laughs> it's for us yeah it's for us and do you know what that's all that fucking matters um yeah. but yeah uh you know what your your stuff that you put on tiktok always makes me laugh oh, um i love it when you've got uh videos with uh is it your gramps um, oh yeah when he yeah, visits i'll do yeah that. yeah you put on little videos <laughs> uh where you sit him in front of things like what like evil dead did you do <laughs> yes. um and i just love seeing it because you know 
I don't know, the part of me really, really hopes there's a part of him that really enjoys it. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't think, I don't know if he does. Yeah, no, it's funny because yeah. every time, almost every night I'm like, you ready for a horror movie? He's like, nope. And then no. eventually I was like, I'm just putting it on and I'm going to yeah. see how he see what he does. And next thing you know, he's sitting there with popcorn. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and he'll watch the whole thing so. and he'll watch it and then at the end of it he'll probably be like nah I didn't like that um, he just rolls his eyes at me through the whole thing <laughs> but that's it you know on TikTok yeah. you've got some really funny stuff and as I said your the special effects uh, and the makeup you do is great and you integrate that with comedy um, mm-hmm. so I mean you know get, get, get on there everyone basically you need to go and make sure that you are following uh, on TikTok Lady Crisis on TikTok that's the right thing, handle isn't it you can find you on um, yeah, it's Lady Crisis 7. That, oh, Lady Crisis yeah. 7, yep. that's right. So go to Instagram, yep. go to TikTok, uh, and then type in Lady Crisis 7. You'll be able to find her, and you will see a shitload of awesome stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure. I've, I've yeah. you know, I've, I've really enjoyed having you on, as usual. I love to have these conversations. And, yeah. um, and uh, it's great to talk once again about a film that is, uh, is something that I love. I love, love, love this film. 10 out and of 10. 10 exactly, yeah, 10 out of 10. I'd agree with that. If you put that on Instagram and I saw American Psycho 10 out of 10, I'd be like, yeah, there you go. Agree. There's another one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it. Um, actually, do you know what? Before we go, I was thinking about doing something that um, putting people on the spot. And I might start with mm-hmm. you. Tell okay. me a horror film that you saw recently that you didn't like. Oh, horror film I saw recently that I didn't like. Oh, uh, this summer I saw something. What was it called? Uh, hold on. Oh, Don't Go Into the Woods Alone, 1981. Have you seen that? Uh, I, I haven't, no. Oh, God, please don't. I will, I will, I will not see it, I promise. I mean, you. I think I gave it a 2 out of 10 because, one, they made the movie. And, <laughs> and that's it. You got one <laughs> for, for, blood, for yeah. It was, one it for was horrible. Um, yeah. I think I conversed with Heather from... Uh, Wednesday Wine and Horror and she was like yeah I told you that movie sucked <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes they they suck don't they yeah don't don't waste your time with that one no I won't okay well that's good that's a good recommendation for me then isn't it don't watch that <laughs> shit film and if anybody if anybody yeah. out there is listening to this and then think do you know what I love that film then one good on you because you're sticking with your guns and two <laughs> uh if you do like it get over to Lady Crisis and tell her why you like it yeah I would love to know the reason why you love that movie there, there we go thank you well listen as I said it's been a pleasure thank you so much for for being on the show um being part of this this let's talk horror channel journey through horror yeah I mean you know thank you thank you for being yeah, thank on you. it I, I love your show so thank Good. you for having me thank you I mean look you might be the only one so at least no. someone does <laughs> I always hype your show up, man. I love it. You, oh, you put good. so much work into it. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. A lot of effort goes into it. And uh and I love all of you lot for all the support that you give me for it. And I'll I'll keep going for as long as I can uh until my next mental breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will speak to you soon. Thank you oh, so okay. much. Thank you. <laughs> so guess what? We're nearly there another long episode and I love the long episodes because as I said to you before I'm not going to cut these episodes down uh you know and I will I will do as as much as I can to keep them jam-packed with everything uh that I can offer you because I want that I want that uh you know I don't want to filter our conversations uh down to uh, runtime you know I want us to be able to feel free <laughs> and be out there talking about these films um as much as we can 
and we've done that. So I'm I'm really happy uh, that me and uh, Mary Lady Crisis Seven, as I say, go and check her out on TikTok, Instagram. She's bloody brilliant, and like I said, grateful that she came on the show. And now we get to the point that another bit that I love, and if you have stuck around, then thank you so much. It's amazing that you have, because now we've got the bit uh, that, as I say, I love your first time. Now. I'm only going to do one on this one because, well, for one, this is an incredibly long episode, and uh, I wanna I wanna make sure that I add this in no matter what. But it is a very long experience. But at the same time, it's exactly what I want from you all because, and as I always say on this segment of your first time, when you're sending me these experiences, these nostalgic memories through. I love reading them. So getting to be able to share them with you that someone has sent me, uh, I am always beyond grateful for. So this experience, the only one I'm going to talk about, uh, is from uh, Good Times With Bad Movies. They are a another podcast, so you can go and find them on Instagram. As I say, just look for Good Times With Bad Movies. Um, just go and check them out because... I want you all to support all these other amazing podcasts that are out there. And they were grateful to send me through, as I say, the longest experience that I've ever got. So I'm going to read it as usual, as if I, uh, you know, I'm reading it for the first time. So this is what they put. The first horror movie I ever watched was Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. I was around seven years old at the time and my sister was 14. She had been watching horror movies for a bit at this point and would tell me uh, about them when I could coax the stories from her. Most of the time I'd freak out a few minutes in and tell her to stop or run away. She also had had a Nintendo system and, and the Friday the 13th game. When she wasn't around, I'd sneak into her room and stare at the box art on the game. I always thought Jason and his hockey mask looked cool. Sometimes I'd even muster up enough courage to turn the game on. Once I ran into Jason in the cabin, I'd shut the game off and run out the room in a panic. One day, our parents took us to the movie store to rent some videos for the weekend. My my, my sister picked up Friday the 13th Part 6 and I rented the Land Before Time classic. Also good, but sad. Big fan of Chomper. That's what they put. Once it had gotten later on in the evening and my parents left us alone, I tried sneaking into the room where my sister was watching Friday the 13th. She kept on catching me trying to sneak in and would always pause it and yell at me. So I left for about 40 minutes at this point. It was around 8.39 at night and had gotten fairly dark. It was now time for me to make my move. I was going to see Jason and that hockey mask, damn it parents and sister be damned. I remember I grabbed my 101 Dalmatian sleeping bag and wrapped myself into it. To me, this was basically an invisibility cloak. I snuck up quietly to the door and slowly and carefully pulled the handle down and snuck in the room. My sister was about five feet from the TV in a room that was about 12 feet long. So I had a few feet behind her to sit down and take in some of the gratuitous violence and nudity that was about to come my way. I sat there and watched Sissy in her cabin, listening to some strange noise coming outside her window. 
she strolled over to the window and poured a can of pop out on someone who she thought was hidden camp counsellor. At that moment, Jason sprang out of the shadows and pulled Sissy's head off. Me, being a seven-year-old, promptly screamed at the top of my lungs and made my sister jump so high she knocked over the TV. My sister was mad that I snuck in and scared the crap out of her. However, she gave me a look and sighed. She said, well, you saw someone get killed. You might as well stay. Her and I spent the rest of the movie hiding under the 101 Dalmatians blanket and eating popcorn. I haven't stopped watching Friday the 13th since. I even enjoyed part five, spoiler alert, the movie without Jason in it. I watch part eight when I edit shows for our podcast as well. I love monsters and practical effects, and it's definitely because of what I saw that night. And what more could I ask for? Um, How incredible is that, right? It's a story, you know, of that first experience once again. As I always say, you don't forget. We don't forget our first experience with horror. And I'm so incredibly grateful, as I said, that I get the opportunity to talk to you all about these nostalgic memories that we don't forget and love and cherish. And that is a prime example of it, which is why I'm only adding that one into it um, because it was a long one. And uh, I hope you enjoyed, uh, you know, hearing it. And I hope that I told it in my best sort of story voice for you. Other than that, that's it. That's the episode. You have got a jam-packed episode of, of everything. We have spoken in depth, entirely about American Psycho and how we both feel about it. It is an iconic film that we both said. Cannot believe that it's now 22 years old. It doesn't feel it and it doesn't look it when you watch it. It is an incredibly darkly comical film that you feel wrong for laughing, but you can't help it. If you understand this film, uh, then then you get it. And, and that's, the, that's the point of it. But that's American Psycho. So thank you so much to everyone that stuck around till the end. Um, I really hope you do, because that's why I put the let's, um, the uh, your first time segment at the end of the show, because I still want you to have something to keep listening to. And I really hope you enjoyed that experience. If you would like to have your first time experience of a horror film in an episode, then just get onto Instagram, the Let's Talk Horror channel Instagram page, and send me a direct message with your experience. As more detail as you can put, the better. Because as I said, it's not just to put in the show so you guys can hear it, it's so I can read it and uh, and just get the enjoyment of, of feeling the nostalgia that you get from it. You know, it, the happiness that you get out of it. I can feel it and I enjoy reading it and uh, passing those amazing memories on to you. Amazing listeners. Um, There we go, guys. So get onto our Instagram page. If this is your first time listening to a show, thank you. You know, it's incredible. Uh, and if you're a return customer... <laughs> Uh, you're not really you're not a customer because uh you know no one pays for this Uh, it's free who would want to pay to listen to me my fucking annoying voice look i still go in now you know what i mean who wants to pay for that shit no one that's why i bring it to you for free because all of this is about my love for horror and if i get to share that with a guest 
what more can I ask for? So you are all amazing, whether you're a new listener or stuck around and supported the show from, from day one or halfway through or whenever. You're all amazing. You are the reason I keep this going, um, apart from the fact that I get to talk about the best genre of film in the world. So all I can do is ask you to go and do the usual, support the show, rate it on Spotify and all that sort of stuff, review it on all the podcast platforms because it genuinely really does help. And other than that, the usual, stay creepy.